Welcome to the Forum on the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast. The class is entitled The Greatest Hits, and it's about key events in the life of Jesus. More than being scholarly, these classes are designed to be edifying and devotional. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, so this week we're going to talk about last week was pre-incarnation, this week incarnation. So we're not going to talk about the nativity story because a lot of people know about that. And we'll talk about that every Christmas for two weeks, right? Because we have two Sundays in Christmas. Let's talk about where Jesus' public activity begins. Where does his public activity begin? It begins at his baptism, when he turns more or less around 30 years old, which at the time was kind of viewed as the age where you're kind of like fully you know, a man and you're ready to begin your mission, your ministry. That's when Jesus begins. His mission begins uh, by being baptized by someone else, being baptized by John the Baptist. And if you remember, the goal of John's baptism was to truly leave behind the sinful life that one had led up until now and to start anew on the path to a changed life. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? It's kind of not that different from Christian baptism. Uh, Now, the actual rite of the baptism actually ends up symbolizing this, right? There's water. In this case, there's a river. um, And, uh, yeah, so immersion into the water in the ancient mind is the symbol of going to death, going to the realm of the dead. Um, It symbolizes this kind of annihilating, deconstructive power of the ocean flood. I've said this before, uh, but if you know anything about ancient history, the ancients have a mixed uh, relationship with the ocean or with the waters, right? Uh, They think of the waters as as chaos. Uh, And, you know, like, just like even today, even with all our technology, with our ships, right, if there is a hurricane, if there's a crazy storm on the waters and you're in a boat, especially a boat that's not like a cruise line, you're in trouble, So the ancient mind perceived the ocean as a permanent threat to everything, to the cosmos, to the earth. Uh, And it was the, uh, this, this, you know, we have all these stories, right? It's not just in in the Exodus, or in uh, Genesis, sorry, uh, the flood stories, right? You have these flood stories throughout these kind of ancient narratives. There's this great fear. Uh, It's kind of, it's almost as if the ocean is symbolic in and of itself for the chaos that comes in. Why do sometimes our, you know, there are droughts and our crops don't grow? It's, it's kind of along those lines. So Jesus being immersed into the waters is, um, it has, like, has a symbolic value to it. Um, on the other hand, there is the notion of the waters as being the place where life comes from, right? You, you and I need water. Uh, and the great rivers, the, the Nile, Euphrates, the Tigris, waters that the people of Israel were all familiar with. These are the great givers of, of life. Uh, and, and the Jordan today is, is the same. It might be a much smaller river, maybe way less impressive than the Nile, but the, the Jordan has this, this function, uh, even for people today. Uh, so Jesus is baptized in the Jordan, and his immersion is simultaneously about purification, about liberation from all of the filth 
of the past, all of our sins, our burdens. Um, and it is, but it's also got that life aspect. So the death and the life, the, the beginning again. Um, so it's all about baptism from the very beginning. We see that baptism points to the death and resurrection of Christ. It's about kind of ourselves being reborn, uh, resurrected. Uh, so the big question we have to ask ourselves is, so, all right, well, why did Jesus have to get baptized, right? If, if this baptism that John has is a baptism for the repentance, for the forgiveness of sins, why is Jesus doing that, right? It's not just in our own day where we believe that Jesus is like the perfectly faithful one when you and I have not been. Uh, so what does he need to get baptized? He doesn't need to repent of anything. Uh, so if he doesn't need to repent of anything, um, what is the baptism symbolizing? Well, theologians for forever have said, and we see it right there in the scriptures, baptism, it's, it's connected to the whole of the narrative. He is expressing solidarity with us. We see that in his incarnation, right? Very literal, taking on flesh. But here he is taking on himself of this, like the initiation into the Christian life. Uh, he may not need to be you know, pardoned for sin, uh, but we catch a glimpse here, this is what the gospel writers are doing, of all that guilt and the burden of sin that you and I come with to the waters of baptism. Jesus is putting that on his shoulders. Um, and at the Jordan, he steps into the place of sinners, much like at his incarnation, much like at his cross. And we see this really emphasized, not so much actually in the West, among Roman Catholics or Protestants. We see this, this reality really pictured in the Christian East. They see Christ's baptism as his descent into death. Uh, so again, literal baptism, but metaphorical. He is going down to the realm of the evil one so that he might combat the evil one who holds us captive. So according to them, the baptism isn't just some like, oh, okay, like, it's cool. Jesus got baptized. I guess that was the start of his ministry. No, they're saying that in the gospel narratives, the whole thing is really pointing to his cross and resurrection, even in these individual acts, even in getting baptized. He carries the burden of our sins down into the depths, and in the depths he wages war against the evil one. It's a metaphorical way of looking at what will happen at his cross and resurrection. And it is for Christians, it's that place where we appropriate his victory uh, and the handing over of our junk onto, the, onto him. Now, how do, we, how do we know this for sure? How do we, how do we know this for sure? Because this all sounds good and it gives me some warm fuzzies, but how do we know? Well, the Gospel of John, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, they, they have especially Matthew and Luke, they have different kind of ways of representing this. But in the Gospel of John, when John the Baptist sees Jesus, what does he say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What was John doing? John was you know, making straight the path for Jesus. He functioned as kind of like a, a new Elijah, right? Preparing the way for the Messiah. And here, when, when John the Baptist sees Jesus, what does he talk about? He talks about what Jesus will accomplish at the cross and through his resurrection. Behold, 
the Lamb of God. What do you think of when you think of the Lamb of God? Think of the Old Testament, right? The Lamb that was slain, the sacrifice that was made. This Lamb is the one who takes away the sins of the world. Again, this is at his baptism, at his first public act. From the very beginning to the end, it's all pointing to Christ and what he came to do. So it's wild, right? It's not just like, you know, some people are like, well, you know, the cross is important because, you know, at least in some of the Gospels, two-thirds of the Gospels are on the Passion narrative. Uh, And while that's a fine sentiment, I would just even go further. Like, these events that happen in the course of Jesus' life, even, especially too, like in the um, in the upper room, right? In the first communion. It's pointing to what he came to do. Even the, the woman who, who uh, comes in and washes his feet with her hair. This, this kind of notion of the stooping down. This picture of, even, of what Christ would do in her actions. We, we'll get to that later. But uh, part of the thesis of this class is that the, the key acts whatever that means, in the life of God, really do point to the ultimate act, the cross and resurrection. So, in reference to the Lamb of God, this reference to the Lamb of God, again, just like what the East tell us, it, it references this descent into the abyss of sin and death. And so it kind of functions as a, you know, what we at this church love to call a theology of the cross, right? Um, it's kind of, a marking of the Christian life. And I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes it's when I try to do good things, but oftentimes it's when it's pretty neutral. And I, I expect kind of unconsciously or subconsciously that, you know, because I believe in God, because I pray, whatever, great things are going to happen to me. Um, you know, I wouldn't never say that, right? Like a prosperity gospel, people on TV say that. Uh, but I kind of like, you know, why am I like any, I stub my toe and it's like, why do you not love me? Or like, I don't get what I want. Um, here we see that uh, in this, on this side of things, in the veil of tears side of things, uh, the Christian life is a theology of the cross. One where we experience deaths and resurrections. Um, whether it's loss of loved ones, whether it's loss of a job, whether it's you name it. Um, and this, this class really isn't meant to make it too much about us, but you can see how we who, in the, in the Christian cycle of the year, right, we go through, we start at the Advent, we run through Jesus' incarnation, all the events of his life, through to the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost. Uh, and it really is that the church, including you and me, kind of relive, we, we inhabit this story as we go on. And the whole time, even like when we're talking about baptism, we're talking about communion or the, in, the, in the upper room, it's pointing to this theology of the cross, this God who has taken our sorrows and our sins upon his shoulder and brought it down to death. But he didn't stay there. He combats with death and is victorious. And that is why, like, you know, I don't want to pick, pick too gloom a picture. Sometimes I look at my deaths and I just I don't see anything else. But there's also real resurrection in this life. We're not going to fully realize that till the Lord comes again. Uh, but we do catch glimpses of it. Uh, we catch glimpses of it even when I was talking about in the sermon, right? Like sometimes we f- might just find ourselves in this rat race of the life that we're in, uh, saying, what if I just sidelined my uber-competitive heart? Uh, 
whether it be about, you know, flexing your muscles or even about doing good things, right? Like, oh, I need to be seen as the one who's the most good or something like that. What if it was just like, as the colic says, running toward the one whose chief property is to have mercy? Uh, so again, really, like this baptism of Jesus, which is the baptism that you and I are baptized into, made sons and daughters of God. Christ has done it. And yet, a picture of Christ's life is happening in us as we go forth and we are witnesses to his life, as we are witnesses to his resurrection, as we sometimes experience a semblance of his deaths and resurrection. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of The Forum on the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or it nourished you in any way, consider supporting our parish with a financial gift. You can do it from your computer or right from your smartphone by going to calvarystgeorges.org backslash giving. Thank you so much, and we hope to see you soon.